wonder, am I the only one who remembers watching the TV show where that was the theme song? Vaughn Palmer's with us from the Vancouver Sun. Vaughn, do you remember that TV show? Oh, you young people. Sammy, you keep throwing <laughs> cultural references the at me American that, hero. that don't date back to the 1960s. What the hell am I supposed to do? This was the late 70s, early really? 80s. Greatest American Hero. Remember that was the theme song to it? You don't remember that show? No, you got me, Sammy. Oh, boy. Okay. I was a latchkey kid, so I watched yeah. a lot of TV. I leave it to Beaver. I can do handle <laughs> cultural references out of that. How about My Three Sons? I remember yeah. that. Okay. 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 Right. Courtship right. of Eddie's father. I can yeah. go with you. I can talk the talk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's talk about <laughs> some legislation, shall we? Because coming up in our 7 o'clock hour, Vaughn, we're going to be speaking with Sheila Malcolmson. And she is the minister in charge of this legislation that has had a very bumpy ride that finally got put aside this week. Tell us about that. Yeah, so way back in 2020, before the election, the New Democrats brought in a bill, it was number 22 that year, which would have allowed short-term detention of youthful, young overdose victims. So kids who'd overdosed, parents were worried that if they were just, you know, freed after being treated, they'd go and overdose again. So parents were pleading with the government, do something. Uh, Give us the power to detain them for a few days, get them medically stabilized, have medical practitioners oversee them. That was the intention, and it was controversial right from the beginning. You had the chief coroner of the province. You had the child and youth representative. You had mental health experts. You had overdose experts. He had the Union of BC Indian Chiefs, and they all said the same thing. This is well-intentioned, but it will be counterproductive. Young people won't turn in their friends when they have overdoses. You will be detaining young First Nations kids, which is not going to help matters at all. So it was controversial from the beginning, but John Horgan wanted it. In those days, the NDP had a minority, Simi. The Greens listened to all this criticism, and they said, we're not going to vote for this. Horgan was furious, and they pulled the bill and sent it out for more consultations. Two months later, John Horgan had his revenge. He called a snap election. And when reporters went to that press conference and said, why are you doing this? He said, the relationship with the Greens has broken down, and we asked Specifically, it's there in the transcripts. Why? And he said it was the green opposition to Bill 22. That was the deciding factor for me in calling the election. He said it. Okay. Well, he won the election. And here we are, what, 18 months later. And Malcolmson on Friday admitted that Bill 22 is not coming back. They consulted with uh, the interest groups out there, and the interest groups said exactly what they said back in June 2020. Exactly. Counterproductive. You can't detain young First Nations kids. You can't do all that. Um, So we asked John Horgan yesterday, like the turn of the event, he said, oh, well, you know, these consultations changed my mind. Well, if he'd listened back in June 2020 or July 2020... He'd have known then, but they have to be careful what they say here, Simi, because it would mean John Horgan admitting that the Greens were right back in July 2020, and his reason for calling the election was bogus, and they are not going to admit that. So he has to pretend that his mind was changed by the feedback, even though the feedback was there right from the beginning. It is going to be an artful performance by Sheila Malcolmson this morning when you ask her about it, because she's got to find a way to explain through this 
like the evidence is new, the evidence is not new. It was there in July 2020. Sonia Furstino was right. Adam Olson was right. John Horgan was wrong. And he called an election on a phony pretext. I also wonder with stories like this is that why didn't they do this kind of thorough consultation before you would table something that you know is going to be yep. so contentious and new and radical in its thinking? Yep. Why not make sure you get everybody on side and you're doing this properly, thoroughly, thoughtfully in the beginning? John Harden wanted it. And he was premier. And they didn't consider all that carefully. Although, again, if you go back to then the objections were the same then as they are now. And, you know, later when he needed a pretext to call an election, he seized on this. Frankly, at the time, I thought it was a stretch. Sonia Furstino was very good. She came out right then and she said, look, if John Horgan is willing to point to this bill as the reason for calling an election in the middle of pandemic... It tells you a lot about the way he's going to govern when he gets a majority. And frankly, it did, hmm. and it does. All right, so we'll be talking to Sheila Malcolmson about that. Uh, there's another bill that we want to talk about here, too, though, Vaughn, and this is the Anti-Racism Data Act. Yeah, we got a really good briefing on this yesterday, Simi, a, a high standard for briefings, because the government promised anti-racism legislation, in their election, it's in their mandate. What we got yesterday was a piece of legislation to allow the government to collect data. And they explained why it had to be that way. There's a real dilemma on this. If you go out and ask people about racism and backlash and all that, you collect a lot of anecdotes. You'll hear complaints, too. That's right, yeah. But for government to take action, it needs to do so in a systemic way, and they need data and information. But we don't collect data and information on who uses government services on the basis of ethnic affiliation or race or gender or any other sorts of things. We, we don't really have that data in a systemic way. Well, we could collect data. But here's the problem, and it was very well explained to us yesterday. People in groups that have been victims of backlash and prejudice, for good reason, don't trust the government when they try to collect data on things like this. So what you need is, is a bill that allows government to collect data and information in a systemic way, in a protected way, so that the data and information isn't abused for the wrong purposes. And to do that, you need representatives in those communities involved in the data collection. So that's what this fairly complicated thing that was announced yesterday is all about. We need data. Government needs data. It will craft programs. It will make sure that people that are underserviced by government programs get better services. But in the process, it will collect the data in a way that's protected and can only be used for good purposes. So where are they going to be collecting this data from? A bunch of places. Uh, they will be asking people questions uh, when they get, again, when they get the the acceptable way to approach it, there is some information available from Statistics Canada. It does ask questions like this. Um, there, some of the government agencies have information on this, too. They've just never compiled it and put it to good use. So it's, it's, um, it's going to take a while. And if you look at the legislation, there are parts of it 
which they say, um, you know, we're going to have to come up with a specific way to approach this and do it in consultation, for example, with indigenous leaders. They can't just anymore go ahead and just say, well, we know the government, we know best, and this is how we're going to do it. So it's a process here as much as a piece of legislation, but as I said, I think they did a good job yesterday of explaining why this is a necessary first step, and then we can proceed to the next steps of actually, first of all, having the information, then setting priorities. There will be some government services, Simi, where um, their excluded groups are larger and some government services where excluded groups are already getting pretty good service. So that's one of the reasons they need the data in order to decide where to put the resources, do the education, and improve the access. Okay. Well, we'll talk more about that too. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.